The noodles have been heated. <laughs> I'm ready to go whenever. All right. Hot noodle. On that note. Movies, TV, Blu-rays. If somehow you're consuming it on the screen with your eyes, then you'll hear it on Scene and Nerd. Here are the hosts of Scene and Nerd, Casey, Pete, and Matt, with a little help from Casey Franco. And we're back. Hey, listen to that music going on. There's, there's music <laughs> happening. Isn't that cool? It's our. Uh, I I gotta say, like I like our new intro. It's very eighty-ish. Yep. I, was it was it Matt that described it as a mixture between Drive, uh, Daft Punk, and uh, <laughs> probably like drugs or something like that. I I don't know what that, the third thing he compared it to was. I'm pretty sure that was Matt. I, that, that was not me. <laughs> Welcome to Scene and Nerd. Um, I'm your host, Pacing Pete. Alongside always is Mr. Casey Franco. Hey, hi. Um, uh, and, and you're I'm what? Tweedle, I'm, I'm, I'm Tweedledum. I'm missing my <laughs> Tweedledee. Matt's not here, and I'm, I'm very sad. Matt is not here. But uh, we do have back, um, she's becoming like an, an official part of the show, uh, Miss Lauren Galloway from Assembly Geeks. Welcome uh, back, Lauren. I just can't stay away. <laughs> no, and you know what? And we, it's like you can't stay away, and then we don't want you to go away. So yeah. it all works out for everybody. So Peer pressure. Sweet. Peer pressure and that's what it is. Peer pressure. Um, so you know, Matt's not here, so obviously no redactions this week. Um, so let's just jump into the movies. Uh, not too many coming out this week. I just have this one, The Longest Ride, that's sitting at uh 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so that's in theaters. New Blu rays out, a most violent year. So I think that's with Jessica Chastain. Um, I know that was one that was um. Critically claimed. I didn't get a chance to see it. Did you guys, did you guys see that movie at all? The most Which violent I, year. I haven't seen it. It's Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. I heard really mixed things about it. I heard that it was a really slow burn in, hmm. in terms of storytelling, but I haven't seen it, so I can't say. All right, all right. Um, okay, so that's what's out on um, in theaters and on Blu-ray. So go and check them out if uh, you can. Um, we're gonna get now into Casey's rundown. Hey, it is the rundown of of the Casey. Uh, here we go. ABC is bringing back the Muppet Show uh, after 19 years. Wow! Did you That's guys cool. ever ever watch the Muppet Show as children or as adults? Definitely. Matter. I did watch it as a kid. Yes. The movies have been the movies have been pretty good. They've been pretty well rated, and most of the time, Muppet movies do pretty well. Yeah, I've actually... Oh, go ahead, Lauren. I was just going to say, I really liked the first one. The second one was... It had its moments, but I think the first one was definitely the stronger of the two, of the reboot Muppet movies. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to duck, because I actually haven't seen the newer movies. Um, oh, shit. Controversy. Gonna, <laughs> um, no, I've seen, like, the old, old ones. Like, you know, like, Muppets Take Manhattan is actually a personal favorite of mine, so... Um, but uh, but it is uh, exciting to see that they're bringing that back after all this time. Um, are you guys familiar with uh, with Penn and Teller? Yes. yes. Uh, well, Penn Gillette lost 105 pounds. He's uh, oh my gosh. He's tiny now. 
He's he's very skinny. Wow, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. Yep. Um, that's it for actually my my dietary news. Uh, <laughs> nothing else. Uh, that's, let's your see. Quota, that's your quota for the year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Arrested Development is coming back. Uh, it's just been confirmed that they're doing 17 more episodes in this next season. So, wow, uh, 17. Pretty sure it'll be on Netflix. I uh, have the article in front of me, but I don't have enough time to speed read it. Um, Lauren, uh, did, do you, are you a fan of Arrested Development? I've seen a few episodes, but I can't say that I've ever binged it or finished a series. Do you guys watch it? Oh, I yes. absolutely adore that show. It's uh, it's good. Did you like the episodes that came out with Casey on Netflix? Uh, so I thought the I thought the new season was an interesting direction they went in, where it was like one one story the whole time, and they just kind of did the individual parts of it. It was a really interesting stylistic choice. I think it's kind of come it's come around on most people. I know it, it wasn't really liked at first, but but I mean now that. It's had some time and, and it's able to settle a little bit. I still think the new episode holds up pretty well. It still has the little quirks. Uh, it's got the like under the breath jokes that they do. It's got the raunchiness, but the the subtle raunchiness. <laughs> I, I I think what I always loved about Arrested Development is the family um, and how like I've always viewed the family and Arrested Development as like probably the most dysfunctional family I've ever seen on TV. Um, you know I. I would say maybe the, the family, modern family, comes close second. Um, but this this family is just ridiculously just dysfunctional on a whole other level. But it's just it, it cracks me up every time I watch it. So yeah. I'm excited about it coming back. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, Brad Bird has revealed that he's just started writing the script for Incredibles 2, the, uh, the widely loved animated feature. About superheroes, so expect uh, Marvel character cameos in Incredibles too. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Yeah, no, Daredevil's gonna show up and just beat, <laughs> just beat the shit out of someone. Everyone's That'll like, immediately oh. bump it up to like a PG thirteen rating. <laughs> um, Olivia Wilde is returning for Tron three. That's gonna be cool. Nice. Yeah, that's great news. I can't wait to see what they do with that movie. I mean, because she's in the she's in the real world now. Yeah. Like Are you guys fans of those movies? I know some people love them, and some people weren't really into them. Um, I I've actually seen parts of the first one, but I have actually watched the second one. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but I did find this second one um, like watchable. I was entertained by it. So. I, I, I love the first Tron. The first Tron is a like nice like 80s attempt at like explaining how computers work to kids. And it but it's like still got a really like gripping storyline, but it's it's super cheesy. It's super cheesy, which I think a lot of people expected to be the style that Tron 2 was gonna go for. And then Tron 2 just went for like this futuristic vibe, not really digging into like the computer aspect of it, but more of like the the new, like the world that they were in, and like the expansiveness of it, and then of course Jeff Bridges being like being Jesus or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to see where they go with Tron Three. Maybe they have like worlds collide kind of thing. And I, I I don't know. I won't. As long as Daft Punk comes back, I'm I'm all in. <laughs> yeah, that that's an absolute. They have to come back to do the soundtrack. 
for uh, for fans of uh, of Rick James, Dave Chappelle is releasing a new comedy special for HBO. Really? Yeah. Oh, that should <laughs> so, be interesting. So he's coming back into the limelight. Uh, True Detective season two has released a trailer. I haven't watched it yet, but uh, isn't uh, <laughs> isn't Colin Farrell, whatever his name in it. Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, Rachel McAdams, and um, Taylor. I can never say his last name. Oh, Kish. Thank you. I, I can never say his last From name. Friday Night Lights. Yes. Um, and so they're all the, like, the main cast members, I believe. Whereas, you know, season one, it was just Woody and uh, McConaughey. Now it's just, <laughs> now it's like a whole cast of people. So Now it's a bunch. Now it's a bunch. Bullseye. I saw the, I saw the trailer. Did you, you make a daredevil, did you just make a Daredevil reference? No. <laughs> no. No, I saw the trailer. Um, it looks interesting. I'll definitely be checking it out. Um, I loved the, the I loved True Detective when they first came out with, uh, like I said, McConaughey and Woody. So uh, expectations are certainly high after coming off that season. So we'll see how, they do, how it does. Um, and then... Uh... HBO Go or uh, HBO Now or HBO Live. I don't know what it's called, but the HBO uh, online streaming app just got released. And Ooh. so you can watch HBO shows online without a cable subscription. Um, yeah. Just in time for a – how convenient. Just in time for Game of Thrones and, uh, and Silicon Valley to come back this Sunday. Yeah, that's going to be uh... – that's going to be good. I know we're all excited. You're, you're excited about Game of Thrones, right, Lauren? Oh, my God. I can't. I can't even wait. I mean, I was excited for Daredevil, but I'm really excited <laughs> for Game of Thrones. We'll definitely be talking on, talking about it on this show for sure. Uh, so it's going to be – oh, man. There's, I, we were talking – me and Casey were talking uh, a little while ago about how there's so many shows like coming back. And then on top of that, we still have like Flash and Arrow and shows like Gotham and – and shield just like oh just like it's 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 the best type of oversaturation on television right now yeah it really is like april and may are going to be absolutely crazy with arrow going to nanda parbat and the flash mm. trying to go back in time and then game yep. of thrones and it's it's too much but like it's a good kind of too much <laughs> agreed yep. it's a good time to be a movie tv podcast <laughs> yes, it is. And uh, and with that, uh, that's gonna bring us to the end of my entertainment. Uh, hold, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Ow, 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 ow. <laughs> oh man, I just burnt myself on the on the chicken noodle on the chicken noodle water that I boiled right before this podcast. <laughs> entertainment, Your enter- whatever. Your entertainment, yep. whatever. <laughs> yep. I was getting, I was getting around to it. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Casey. So, um, I just want to share a few uh, comic book uh, note movie notes here. Uh, first up is uh, James Wan has been revealed as the front runner to direct Aquaman for Warner Brothers. Nice. Uh, and he is uh, the director of Furious Seven, so that should be uh, that should be uh, interesting. Uh, and. Uh, Hold on. Now that now that Matt's not here, I can kind of I can say that I'm I'm actually looking forward to the Aquaman movie. <laughs> but, uh, After all that, before. <laughs> but dude, but do not tell Matt. Matt cannot know this. <laughs> yeah, because you know he's not going to listen to this at all. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, 
All right, so what, going from one Warner Brothers movie to another, Phil Lord and Chris Miller have been confirmed as directing the Flash movie. Um, if you're not uh, familiar with those names, they are the directors of the Lego movie. So, oh. Very witty. Oh, wait, wait, did Very I get witty. that right? Yeah, yeah, Lego movie. That's right. I wanted to make sure I said that correctly. Okay, so uh, last piece of news. Um, it has been revealed that a spinoff to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is currently in the works. Another one? Um, yeah, so um, I, I'll, I'll kind of keep this separate from the from our TV talk for Agents, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. today. Um, so I, I want to really get uh, your thoughts, your guys' thoughts on this because um, it's it's a little different with what's going on with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, even though we like it, uh, in a lot of ways it's improved. Um, it doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't show on the ratings. It's actually not doing well on the ratings. So it's not like a case where Arrow had the Flash launch off of one episode and into its own series, and it's done well. Um, Lauren, do you think that they'll do something similar, or it'll just be a completely, it'll be a spinoff just in a different way? I have really mixed feelings about this because I I love the show. I've been watching since the beginning. Um, but when I heard the news, my first response was, oh, what are they going to do with that? As opposed to when I, when I first heard about the Arrow spinoff going into The Flash and then this new unnamed spinoff, I was really excited about that. So, I mean... I trust Marvel completely. I don't think they've ever made a bad choice in terms of their movies or their shows. But like, I'm really curious as to, one, why they're doing a spinoff show. Because I feel like they're putting some really good um, like storylines into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. Because we have the whole S.H.I.E.L.D. versus real S.H.I.E.L.D. scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have the whole Inhuman scenario. And to me, that's really fascinating. So it, like... I would be worried that if they started telling other stories that like could potentially be told on agents of shield that now they won't be able to tell those stories, Mm. which could be a problem or it could be really cool. Like some friends of mine are tweeting right now. Um, I think Nikolai listens to this show. I'll give him a little shout out. (laughs) He was tweeting like really random ideas. Um, Agents of real shield, Real Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for real, CSI Asgard, and the real Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. of Atlanta. CSI Asgard. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's Um, funny. But, I mean, at the end of the day, there are enough stories in the comics to last 100 years of television. So, if they decide to do something completely different, like completely unrelated to S.H.I.E.L.D., and maybe they start telling other superhero story characters, I could be into that. But they have this whole Defenders, Daredevil thing on Netflix, so I don't really get it. I don't really know what they're going to do. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to... What corner this new show is going to find itself in, because they already have... They have the gritty detective slash superhero movie, which is Daredevil now. They have the... The super Boyer. cheesy one, which is, <laughs> or yeah, or that. Uh, they have the super cheesy one, which is uh, Shield, and then they have the franchise, which is like the Avengers and, and all that. I don't know where this new show is quite going to fall into yeah, I, line. I wanted to ask you this, Lord, and I'm I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. So, imagine you're in the you're in the Marvel headquarters, and everyone's sitting around, and they say, 
Should we do an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. spinoff or season two of Agent Carter? And then I when knew all you the were going la- la- to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, if you're listening to the show, let us know on Twitter what you think. But Lauren, um, what, I'm, I'm interested to hear your, your answer on this. If it was a choice, obviously it would be Agent Carter season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, if it's absolutely. an and, should we do? Should we renew Agent Carter, pursue season two, and do a spinoff show? Then of course I would want to hear what, who they were going to focus on, because, you know, Pe- Peggy has the corner on like, what's the word? It's like a period show, mm-hmm. so we get the scenes and the costumes and the sets and all that from the forties, but they could easily do a spinoff based in the 50s, the 60s. I mean, I would love to see a young Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos in the 60s. That'd be cool. That would be very cool. Yeah. Um, I would love to see, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. working with Spider-Man in New York City because oh. that's a big part of Spider-Man's comic. That would be pretty awesome. And they could, you know, put it on ABC Family or something. Oh, um, yeah. That might be a little might be a little bit of culture shock not to see a whiny Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I had to choose, of course, I would choose Agent Carter. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you I knew that cool. question was coming. <laughs> well, that's what everybody was saying on Twitter yesterday. They were like, what? What's wrong with Marvel ABC? If you're going to do a spinoff, you might as well just renew Agent Carter. But, I mean, Marvel has enough money to do as many shows as they want. So yeah. they don't really yeah. have to choose. So That's we'll see true. if they, they show discretion. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, and yeah, like I said, hit us up on uh, at Scene and Nerd on Twitter. Let us know which one you'd rather have. If you had to make the choice, would it be uh, season two of Agent Carter or a spinoff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Um, it's going to be really interesting because really, I mean, we don't really know anything about this and um, who this would even focus on, uh, what part of the MCU this would, you know, take place in and so it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting so um yeah so it's all it's all the hype it's all the hype machine right they're just trying to make that hype machine go crazy (laughs) they've released nothing about the show just that there is going to be a show and they're hoping that that will will snowball into something well hopefully it'll snowball into better ratings you know because unfortunately it's not doing very well in the ratings so yeah well um, the problem is agents of shield is on tuesday night and tuesday night is like the kill zone for yeah. network television <laughs> because if you look at tuesday night ratings eight o'clock ncis on cbs gets like 20 million views yeah it's crazy and then like they <laughs> Two gave- of which are my parents right there's like a generation of people who have cable that you know that really like procedurals and then everybody who's not watching ncis is watching the voice on nbc which is like our demographic which is like 17 million more people so you could put you know you could put the most incredible show on television at eight or nine o'clock on a tuesday Uh, and you're and you're (laughs) right like fan favorite shows, anything that's like significant and people are not going to turn the channel from NCIS or the voice. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's true. I mean, even the flash as great as it's been, doesn't have like humongous ratings and and it's exactly, and it's exactly for the reasons Lauren just said, you know, there's just unfortunately shows on CBS and NBC that garner more attention. Um, 
hopefully it's just the problem with Tuesdays. Although the Flash yeah. is holding its own, I think it was at like four point one million. Mm-hmm. Okay. In its last episode, which for the CW was really high. Yeah, that's yeah. very good. <clears throat> hopefully, uh, hopefully when Supergirl comes out, that'll uh, break the trend or something because that's going to be interesting because it's. You got a superhero show on a show like on a network like CBS, and they pride themselves on having the number one watched uh, shows on TV. <clears throat> so that'll be interesting. Um, okay, so that's all I wanted to talk about. Uh, <clears throat> we're gonna go ahead and get into TV talk because we got a lot of TV to talk about. Yep, um, buzz through it. A lot of TV to talk about. Um, all right, so kicking things off, we're gonna go over Agents of Shield, and oh, it was shit. <clears throat> it was very interesting this week. Um, of course, he kicked off with uh, the funny, the funny Carlot scene, which I thought was pretty hilarious and a nice way to bring Hunter back. <clears throat> so great, Coulson so, and Hunter. I'd watch that spinoff. That was a good combo. Like I didn't know how it would do, but um, they they were they were good. Uh, they were a good odd couple. I thought. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> let's see here, uh, Lauren. What did you think of? Um, let's see here. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Uh, what did you think of how? The other shield is handling um, Col- Team Coulson. Okay. I, I get what they're up to. So, like, I'm not <laughs> mad at them. I don't think... I think they're doing what they think is, is best. Honestly, I think they're setting up Civil War right now. Mm, they're okay. setting up this whole idea. Like, Team Coulson... And I haven't read the Civil War comic, but based on what I've heard about it, is like the Captain America character... Like, he doesn't believe that powered people are, I mean, they're dangerous, but but doesn't mean they should be locked away. Mm-hmm. But the other real shield, their direct response to powered people is they're dangerous, put them away. And it's like polarizing the, the shield community into what do we do as superheroes? Well, we love them when they're winning the Battle of New York, but... Mm-hmm. You know, the 364 days of the year when they're not fighting Chitauri, we don't think they're safe and we want to put them on the index. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? That's kind of yeah. their, like, attitude. Like, we'll use you when we need you, but when we don't, like, you know, we're going to put you in this cabin and lock you away somewhere. So I think it's a very realistic way to show how people are afraid of what they don't understand. But, of course, I'm Team Coulson and... You know, I hope that Coulson's able to like help them understand that <clears throat> just because somebody has powers doesn't mean they're going to use it for bad things. No, I I totally agree, and, and that's one thing I put in my notes. That's I'm really not happy that the other Shield keeps referring to Hulk and Sky as monsters and things. I'm like, did they not just save everyone's life like not that long ago? <laughs> I'm like, what what is you guys' problem? I'm like, you guys just oh, it's like a it's a power complex that they have that they got to be in control of everything and and it doesn't matter how powerful they are it's like you're gonna do what i'm gonna say and then i'm still gonna call you these awful things so yeah it's like it's like treating people like a weapon they only use them when they need them yeah well hulk's not really hulk's not really a beauty queen (laughs) (laughs) a little bit monsterish just a little bit just a little bit um casey what'd you think of when uh Rodriguez was questioning May. He had her like locked down, trying to turn her, trying her his best to to break May, and just could not. Oh yeah, um, I don't know who either of those people are. <laughs> the Edward James almost character. 
Uh, that I don't remember that scene. I don't remember that scene. Really? Yeah. I remember. Yeah, uh, there, he I was remember interrogating the, her. He was like, I remember Sky and the and and the, I don't know, Edward Pattinson looking guy. <laughs> I don't even think that's his name. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's his name either. Him um, and the Twilight guy. Yeah. Um, Lauren, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he was he was trying to break the cavalry, and he like slid the gun across the desk and was like, oh. "Show me what you're made of." That's what it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. And she says that the gun you wouldn't give me a loaded gun. And he's like, "Well, I half expected him to like pick it up and like shoot himself just to like prove like, yeah, see, I told you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the cartridge was empty, but it had one bullet yeah. in the chamber because she could tell by the weight of it. That's why she picked it up. <clears throat> Yeah, very true. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you can't play the cavalry. You you no. can't get in her head. You can't torture her. You can't do anything to her. She's like locked down. So the fact so, that he even tried was just ridiculous. Yeah. So they're like, you have the official, you have the official unofficial shield trying to rebuild itself and like annex these rogue old shield characters. But what's the divide? Like, what separates? What separates new shield from old shield or, or real shield from fake shield at this point? And who is who also? Because I don't know what to call either faction. <laughs> um, well, I think the thing about the, um, the shield that we just got introduced to, the other shield as, they, as I call them, um, is the fact that they – I don't correct me if I'm wrong, Lauren, but they don't, they don't trust – they never trusted Fury it sounds like. Or, yeah, you know, one is like <clears throat> devotion to Fury and then the other one is like – Fury was crazy. Yeah, so is, and is that okay. their only point of disagreement? Is just like whether Fury's batshit crazy, and we'll just... what to do with powered people? And I don't think they have oh. a director because, like, the Edward James almost character says that they have a committee who makes decisions. Whereas before the old Shield was, there was a director, and you do what he says, and there was like a lot of compartmentalization. They talk about that in Winter Soldier. Like Nick Fury would tell certain people certain information and keep that from other people, so that there was no like possibility for betrayal. Mm -hmm. But I think Edward James almost in the Fallout is like, well, that was our problem. We had all these secrets. Like to them, Nick Fury isn't a person. He represents an idea, which is that Shield is like a spy organization. And I think Edward James <clears throat> almost is trying to say, no, we need to be a peacekeeping organization. Let's talk about this. Let's have a committee. And Colson's like, yeah, but that's not really how this works. Yeah. Okay. And so, and it's going to be interesting to see because I think <clears throat> it was, we were talking a while back about, you know, after they, you know, quote unquote got rid of shield i mean uh hydra who would be <clears throat> excuse me who would be the uh antagonist of the way and it turns out like lauren's saying like this is becoming more of a civil war um precursor and and it's just tension amongst who's left to shield and can these people really be trusted can each each side really trust the other one um that just seems to me like, where's it going? I mean, what do you think, Lauren? Do you think that's where we're headed the rest of the way? Um, I think it's a really, I think it's a really honest, like, way to approach the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that there's going to be a grab for power. And so, like, it worked that for a while we just saw Coulson and his team kind of, um, 
trying to take down the rest of Hydra, but I think it makes a lot of sense that there are professors and other level eight and level nine and level 10 agents that are like, well, this is our responsibility to like pick up the pieces and, and put shield back together. I think by the end of this season, like a decision is going to have to be made if they're all going to be able to work together. And if not, then we could see, like, they could take on different names. Because in the comics, aren't there, like, other groups of people like S.H.I.E.L.D.? I think so, but I'm not totally sure. Like, Secret, like Secret Warriors. And oh, I know yeah, there's, yeah. There's, like, an outer space one called, what is it, Star? Sword. Mm-hmm. Sword, that's right. Is that right? That was a total uh, guess. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I think so. Because <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. and Sword... Just made sense because I'm a dweeb, and then it's <laughs> easy correlation for me to make. <laughs> um, so now jumping back into uh, the afterlife, which is where we find Sky. Um, she meets Lincoln, a new character, uh, and I want to <laughs> ask you, Casey, do we trust Lincoln? Um, well, Matthew McConaughey seems to like him, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Lincoln's the, Lincoln's the Twilight looking guy, right? You dork. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, He's, he's the Electro. He's the Electro guy, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I have no reason not to trust him. I mean, he tried to, he, he's like the peacekeeper at this point. He tried to keep Sky and and her, is that her sister? Her, her gross Um, sister? Oh, no, no, no. That was, that's Raina. Raina, Raina, Raina. Yeah. Not sisters. Not, Not sisters. sisters. No. Rival. Yes. For some yeah, yeah rival, rival is a good way to put it. Um, but, I mean, he, he's a peacekeeper. He, he's trying to teach both of them how to control their powers. And uh, Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I trust him. I, 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 I trust him. I've been wrong before, though. So, <laughs> so we'll see. Um, Lauren, do you think the, the way that they were talking, um, Sky and Lincoln, um, they're – body language to each other. Did it seem like they're trying to kind of push for maybe a, a romantic storyline here? Yeah, for sure. And the way they looked into each other's eyes. <laughs> which I can totally say. get on board with because Luke Mitchell is very attractive. Now, Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> now, now tell me a little bit about Luke Mitchell. I, um, I, I didn't watch it the night it, it came on, which was Tuesday, but um, there's a lot of talk about this guy, um, and another, another show he came on. Can you tell us a little bit about, about his backstory? Yes. So Luke Mitchell is an Australian actor. I think he's kind of mid twenties. He like in real life, he seems like a really genuine guy because Tuesday night was his premiere on the show. And he spent like a good six hours replying to every single person that tweeted him. Wow. Like, you can check his Twitter feed from Tuesday night, and it's like, whether it was like a smiley face or like a thumbs up, like, he took the time to reply to everybody, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, his his big break, I would want to say, was on The Tomorrow People, which was another Greg Berlanti production on The CW, and that's mm-hmm. where Robbie Amell, who plays Firestorm, that's where he came from. Okay. I I didn't watch the tomorrow people when it was on, but it's on Netflix. And so after agents of shield, I watched the tomorrow people pilot just so I could get a feel for Luke Mitchell. And he's pretty much playing the same character. Like Hmm. in the tomorrow people, Robbie Amell 
realizes he has powers and like he's kind of like an inhuman but they can teleport and they have telepathy and they have telekinesis and so luke mitchell actually like grabs him and takes them to their tomorrow people base and he's like showing him around and so it was very similar to the character he's playing on agents of shield okay okay interesting um is he do you know if he's going to be on more episodes if this is just kind of like a three or four three or four episode thing or is this something where he could become more of um, a recurring character? Um, he's not a part of the official cast. So at this point, he is just a guest character. But I think, <laughs> I think that he and Chloe Bennett have a really great chemistry. And I would love to see him on the show more regularly. Like, even if they don't go into the whole love interest thing, I really like his character. I think he's really genuine. And I think he'd be a great, um, just like a great help for Skye. As she transitions, like a friend. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he could he could show her the world. Bright, <laughs> shimmering splendor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice, Casey. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Lauren, what do you think of now, <clears throat> after all this time, uh, we saw Sky's dad again. And he's pretty much locked up and not able to get out. I mean, where do you think they're going with this character? So after watching this episode, I, I forgot that Gordon had like <clears throat> teleported him to afterlife. And so I went back and I watched the episode with Melinda May's husband where he's, okay. cou- where he's counseling Sky. So mm-hmm. in that episode, that's where Sky's dad gathers all of the gifted people and they go to the football field oh, and yeah, they right. like try to take down Tian Coulson. Mm-hmm. At the very end of that episode, Gordon pulls Cal off the football field and teleports him to afterlife. And oh, then, okay. um, and That's Cal's, right. Cal says something like, um, like, are you keeping me here? Do I have to stay here? And Gordon pretty much tells him like, you're causing way too much trouble. You're bringing way too much attention to my people. Like you can't leave essentially. And so then when we see him in this week's episode, you kind of get a sense that like he's stuck there. And I think they're really trying to help him get self-control, but he just cannot get a handle on it because he saw that room. It was trashed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Seen better days and his fists were all wrapped up because he's been punch dancing out his rage. (laughs) <laughs> and then it was so interesting that Sky's mom showed up and that he wasn't surprised to see her. Which yeah. means he's mm. known that she's alive for a certain amount of time. I don't know how long he's known she's alive. Hmm. I I, I wonder if they're all I'm well actually no, I don't wonder. I'm waiting for when all three of those are in the same room at the same time. All three yeah. Them, yeah, it's 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 going to be very interesting. Awkward family reunion. <laughs> it really is. Um, or in other so, words, a family reunion. <laughs> um, how cool was it to see Mike back uh, to help, help out Colson and Hunter uh, when they needed help the most? Um, Casey, you remember who this character was, right? Nope. Okay, I assume that I don't, I don't remember <laughs> names. I have this like Game of Thrones virus where like I just don't remember <laughs> names. <laughs> uh, Lauren. You know who Mike is. Yeah, um, at Deathlock. Yeah, what did you think of... Uh, <laughs> what, did you, what did you call him? Deathlock. That's his oh, name. You said lock. Okay, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Oh, man. 
Um, so, it was, <laughs> it was great to see Mike Peterson back. <laughs> um, I saw somebody tweet on the East Coast during that scene, but they didn't say any spoilers. They were just like, hey, it's great to have so-and-so back. And so until the West Coast airing, I was like, huh. I wonder who's back. And so I was thinking Maria Hill, Samuel Jackson. I didn't even think about Deathlock because we haven't seen him in such a long time. And so it was great when he showed up. That was perfect. That was very cool. Um, and uh, Casey, how ninja was it of Fitz to take the box? And uh, very like- ninja. <laughs> very Guardians. Uh, <laughs> extremely Guardians. That's. I feel like that's not the first time that's happened in a show either where like – Someone switches it out for a troll doll or something like that. That's <laughs> becoming more and more like a trope of Marvel, of Marvel shows. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and we'll see. Cool, nice sleight yeah. of hand. We'll see how where that leads to in the in the next uh, next episode, which um, I believe uh, the next episode is all about learning uh, about Melinda May. Yeah. So, well, to quote to quote Brad Pitt, uh, "What's in the box?" <laughs> <laughs> Nice reference, Casey. I like Thanks. that. But, yeah, um, next week is called Melinda, and we're going to Bahrain. We get to see mm. what happened. And Edward James almost told her in that interrogation scene, like, we've seen you take down a gifted index person. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure that's what happened in Bahrain. She had to take somebody down with, like, really crazy powers. And this is where we kind of get to see where she got her name, the cavalry, right? Yeah. Isn't this kind of like where that, that's kind of building up to? Is it because she rides a horse? No, no. no. Well, you, you know, that's, you know, it's kind of just that general saying, like, here comes the cavalry. Oh, well, she's, the cavalry. she's the cavalry. Like, you know, when you, when you, when she's coming, you know, shit's going down and. You, and she's going to ride a horse. Pretty much. Pretty Can. much. My favorite, exclusive. <laughs> my favorite line of hers, I think it was in, was it the pilot? No, it was the second episode. It was in 084 in season one. And they're trying to defend the, <clears throat> the object of unknown origin. And I think Coulson's like, Melinda, like, why don't you have a gun? Or maybe Ward asks her and she's like, if I need one, I'll take one. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, she's so badass. Yeah. It was Mike from Better Call Saul. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Um, no, but she is like a total badass, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see. I'm I'm really excited. That's the one thing like I love about backstories and flashbacks is kind of learning about the about the character before they who before they turn into what we see them. Um, so I'm excited to see her backstory. It's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. Um, all right. So uh, anybody have any last words for this week's Agents of Shield episode? Um, yeah. Gordon, for a guy who cannot see, uh, makes a lot of sight puns. Have you noticed that? <laughs> He's like, let me see what I can do about that. Let me see what you mean. I'm like, no, you can't, Gordon. We all know you can't. Anyway, I really that's what loved... I, that was my only note that I had written down for the show this week. I really loved all the moments between Fitz and Simmons. Because I yeah. really loved their friendship in season one, and it's been really devastating to watch them get just so pulled apart this season. And so it was great, like when they had the fake fight, and then Gemma put the box in his bag, and then she made him his sandwich. Like for me, that was a really great moment. Yeah, 
That was nice. That was nice. That was nice. Um, all right, so that was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, for this week. Um, all right, so now we're going to jump into uh, – I'm actually changing things up here, guys. 12 Monkeys. We're going to talk whoa, about 12 whoa, whoa. Monkeys. <laughs> going kind of off script. Going weird weird order script. Weird order script. All right, well, I I'm going gonna, gonna to let my cup of noodles settle and just take a nap. So uh, <laughs> you guys have fun. <laughs> um, all right, so, uh, man, I can't believe this, Lauren. Uh, tonight is the – season finale um of 12 monkeys and, and and you know a second ago i was talking about how i love backstories how i learn love learning about um how a particular character got to where they are uh and where we see them um and i really liked learning about jones um and seeing her in 2015 um this was just so good uh what did you think of of seeing her back then her running into um to Cassandra, and then eventually meeting a very young Cole. That whole thing was so unexpected and so good. It was good. It was, it was so good. So good. I was not expecting <sighs> that. And that actress, I'm looking up her name right now just so I have it. Um, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely incredible. Um, Barbara... Barbara Sokoa. Okay. She is a German actress. Man, yeah. so impressed with her. Um, they did a really good job of, of making her look a lot younger in 2015. Like, I looked her up to see, like, because, you know, like, with makeup, sometimes they can make someone young look old or old look young. And so I had to make sure I was like, wait a second, let me make sure... Let me see how old she is. She's like, um, I think I saw she's like 60. She's either 60 or in her 60s. Wow. She looked like a young, like late 20s, early 30s. That was amazing. Didn't she? Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Like they did such a good job of of uh, of making her look so young. And then she did a such, such a good job. Um, just not the Jones that we know in 2043. Um, right. Very young, very inquisitive, very mm-hmm. – um, I mean, she still smokes, you know, and yeah, and all that. I thought – I'm trying to think of how that, that all happened. Oh, my favorite part about that whole thing is that Jones in 2043 was always telling Cole about fate and mm-hmm. I believe in you and I know this is going to work. And she's always had this amount of certainty. And I, it never once crossed my mind that she had that kind of certainty because she knew Cole back then. Wow, oh, man. It's all it's all coming together now, which is oh. If Matt was here, he would say <laughs> hashtag it's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would. You, Matt. <laughs> he, he totally would. Um, so, uh, what did you think when they meet? When they, I thought it was crazy when they meet his dad, and then Cole twenty forty three Cole meets his dad. I mean, that was just like really surreal. That oh man, that was just that you was know th- so profound. The show continues to mind to to do the whole mind blown thing, and that was just another that was just a perfect example of it. Um, and then seeing young Cole, like that was just like I just like got like a little emotional. I was like, oh my god, this is just there's Cole from twenty forty three, and then there's here's him here's him as a kid who hasn't been exposed to any of the craziness going on, 
is just this innocent little kid, and he has unfortunately no idea what's coming his way. Um, oh, that was just uh, very well written. Um, what did you think of Aaron and what he's doing, uh, and how he's how he's connected to now the um, oh that woman? I can't remember her name now. The, the, the striker woman. The striker woman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know why she's called that. I just know that's what everybody calls her on Twitter. Well, you know what? If you look up her IMDb, that's that's the name they gave her—a striker that's so woman. Funny. I'm like that. She doesn't have like a, a name. Okay, <laughs> just striker woman. It is all right. So, um, but what did you think of? What did you think of that? Aaron deserves a swift kick in the face. He really does. <laughs> okay, I just like I can understand why the real shield is like doing what they're doing. Like whenever I watch a show, I always try to like understand the perspectives of everybody. Like all the opposing forces because it's easy just to say, well, the hero is doing the right thing and the antagonist is doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Like for Aaron, he thinks it's all going to be over. Mm-hmm. Like all he knows is that the plague is coming. And so his heart right now is like shifting off of big picture. Let's save the world to, well, if I can't save the world, I just want to save the person that I love, which is Cassandra. Mm-hmm. So like, even though it might go against his moral code, he is starting to like, just get really small in his thinking and he just needs to make sure that he and Cassandra get to safety and if the whole rest of the world burns, at least he saved the love of his life, which is very dangerous like mm-hmm. to think that way because obviously because you will start to like the second you stop caring about other people, then you don't care if they live or die. And that's a really dangerous place to be. And we see that because he gave up Cole's dad, which yeah. was awful to watch. That was a that was a very hard scene. Um, oh yeah, I couldn't believe that Aaron did that. Uh, but I, I totally agree with everything you said. I mean, you really tread on dangerous ground when you're doing what he's doing. <clears throat> um, now, the big thing in the, in the episode towards the end was Cole injecting his blood uh, himself with the blood from his younger self, and and we get the title of the episode, the paradox, um, where I mean. That was the equivalent of the watch touching the watch, right? Yes. Um, what What did you think of that? Uh, and what What do you think Cole was thinking about? Because um, even though he didn't die, um, you know, with a blood injection, I, I kind of I was I didn't know what what to expect. I mean, what did you think when he put it in himself and then he started floating and then the explosion happened? He had like a total Jesus moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought that was a really clever way to do it because he's trapped in 2015. There's no medicine or drugs that can help him, like that can help his body regenerate. And of course, Jones is like, well, what if we just, you know, give you your own like pre time travel blood? I thought that was really cool. And you notice how he got really woozy whenever young Cole got near him. Yeah. I'm still holding on to my theory <laughs> you know, about you know what I, patient zero. <laughs> when I saw him do the little woozy dance, I totally thought of what you said. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm like, I wonder if this is, I wonder if this is, if this is what we're, where we're all leading to. So, um, 
but yeah, that was uh, that was that was really good. Um, so you know, we talked about the Striker Woman. So from one uh, interesting female character to another, Jennifer has now taken over Markridge. Now, what did you think there was relevance of that? That was crazy. I I almost forgot that Jennifer was a, as a player now because mm-hmm. in the episode two weeks ago, the whole Ramsey flash forward episode. Mm-hmm. We see the striker woman get Jennifer out of the mental institution, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And say that then they like give her a bath and like tell her like you're safe now. Oh, yeah, I, forget, yeah, yeah. I forget how that scene went. And so now Jennifer is gonna run Markridge, which is weird because we know that Jennifer has her whole like daughter's plan. Mm-hmm. Like, eventually, there isn't going to be a Mark Ridge, and the plague is going to happen, and somehow Jennifer is going to survive, and she's going to get all these women together. Uh, Jennifer's a loose cannon. I mean, yes. she like she has no loyalty to anybody, and she has this like weird thing for Cole. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she would yeah. ever hurt him, but I'm curious as to like what she's going to do in Mark Ridge. Like, are they just giving her Mark Ridge as something to do? Hmm. Oh, see, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Is she like a puppet and they're going to use her to make really bad decisions? See, that's a good question because, like you said, like it's, it's obviously her story arc leads to the daughters in 2043. Um, and so I wonder, like, what, what she would be a puppet for? Um, maybe because Mark Ridge is, is connected to her dad, right? I mean, um, uh, they're, they're, they're part of the whole research facility and, and um, the medical stuff, the creating the vaccines or whatever. Um, am I saying that right? Yeah. No, you could be onto something because Mark Ridge is going to weaponize the virus. They already have it because they made that guy. Well, no, the 12 monkeys have the virus. Yeah. So Maybe that's Mark what... Ridge will synthesize the vaccine and only sell it to like the senators and the wealthy people. And that's how they survive? Maybe. Or like you said, maybe they weaponize it. And maybe the yeah. twelve monkeys maybe they maybe maybe the twelve monkeys is using Jennifer as a puppet to get into Markridge and then they once they once Markridge somehow and this is just me theorizing, maybe they think that weaponizing the virus is a way to stop it. I don't know. Um but Maybe the twelve monkeys goes in and tries to take take control of it in that way. Like Markridge does all the work, and then the twelve monkeys just takes it. Yeah, that, no, that works because the twelve monkeys <clears throat> they don't have labs, they don't have doctors, they don't have a billion dollar R and D budget, but Markridge does. Mm-hmm. So that's that's probably what it is. They're going to use Markridge's facilities to do whatever they need with the virus. Um, so to end the show we had some interesting reveals. Um, the group in the bunker is getting infiltrated by another group that we, correct me if I'm wrong, we've never seen this group of people before, right? This is um, a whole other group of people, uh, not the daughters. Um, yeah, not the daughters and not the West Seven. They are the scavs. Okay, so, okay, so, okay, so I've, I know they mentioned the scabs before, so this is who the scabs are. Yeah, um, they're like the creepy people in Firefly who like, you know, hit up okay. all the ships and like. 
I think oh, okay. I think that's okay. who they are. I think they're like people without law. Maybe they even practice some cannibalism. Like they're people that are way off the grid. And the guy who's in charge is he the West Seven guy? Um, Deacon. Um, he he wasn't. Yeah, he. I don't know if he's in charge, but he is certainly leading them to the bunker. But uh, he was in the West Seven, right? He was in the West Seven, yes. That okay, because right. I recognized his face, but I wasn't sure if it was because I recognized him from the show or from other stuff he's been in. I was like, <laughs> "Oh, look, it's that guy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, I totally, re- I, I recognized him, and then I had to like quickly IMDb to like make sure I knew who he was. But I was like, "Oh, well, that's what happened. That guy got pissed off, so now he's gonna go have the scabs taken out on uh, the bunker and." Uh, those it's, so people? Much, it's so much like the Matrix. Like <laughs> you have Neo in the Matrix, like fighting and doing all this stuff against the agents. But then in real life, you have um, Zion like defending itself from the robots. Like to me, that's what it looks like. You have Cole back in the past trying to do stuff, but in the future, like Cassandra or not Cassandra Jones and like her team, they're going to have to try to defend the bunker. It's going to get crazy. That's a good parallel. I never thought of um, the Matrix analogy in this, uh, but that's you're you're right on point. That's exactly what it is. Um, but yeah, the the way it ended, it's just it's certainly going to get crazier. Um, could the the scabs look just insane? I mean, they were like beheading people, uh, and so that's that's certainly going to add another element of of craziness and terror to the show. I mean, the show's already awesome. I mean, I can only imagine what the scabs are going to bring to the story now. So do you think <clears throat> older Jones is going to make it? <sighs> Ooh, that's a very good question. I um, always see if she is in season two, cause they announced who the main cast of season two is going to be. Oh, they did. Okay. And so far it's, um, Cole, Cassandra and Jennifer. Oh, so everyone else is kind of, I mean, Maybe. there could be other people who have signed contracts. I just haven't seen the news yet. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, yeah, that's that'll be interesting to see if if they do. Um, like, I'll say this: if anyone dies, I don't think it'll be tonight in this finale. Um, I well, they Terry said somebody's going to die tonight. Oh, okay, I missed that. Wow. Okay, no, I didn't. Oh, but so you they... know, it's time travel, so it's not like they can't <laughs> fix it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've seen Cole die now. Uh, we've seen Cassandra die. And those are the two main characters. So, I mean, seeing that we're in a world now where you can time travel back and forth, um, I guess it's it's someone staying dead isn't permanent. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see um, who dies and how that all plays out. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, this show is ah, like like we've been saying. If you've been listening to our show, we love the Twelve Monkeys. Um, it's we love 12 monkeys the show not the 12 monkey army yeah. um <laughs> we don't um, love those guys those guys are crazy no, they're, they're they're terrible guys um but um the show has gotten better it just continues to get better and and i'm super excited to see what the season finale holds and um what season 2 will be like so um all right so that is 12 monkeys uh so now we're going to talk about uh, Better Call Saul, which bow, has been... Bow, yeah. bow, bow, bow. Can I just say how I've loved every time they do their little intro, it changes? Like yeah. The, uh, like the video, like whatever their intro video is, it, it, it's so good. Um, and you 
you don't know this, but it somehow correlates to where the show or where that episode is going. Like on the one where he has the spoiler alert, by the way, we're going to be talking about all of the episodes because uh, we've kind of had an, uh, an embargo on talking about Better Call Saul <laughs> until the last episode. Um, but anyway, uh, like on the episode where he has that fight with his brother yeah. and you have that betrayal, um, there's a picture of him. I think when his like younger self or something in a sink and there's like water running on it, it's like wrecking the picture. And then that same episode, shit hits the fan. Oh, good cash. No, I didn't see that. Um, what did you think of that? I mean, I felt so bad for Saul because, well, I should call him Jimmy because that's that's his name right now. But yeah. um, I felt so bad for Jimmy because here, you know, you, we learned about his backstory of him being this screw up and this criminal and, and somebody who could never play it straight. And mm. then when he tries to play it straight, the people who he's trying to impress the most aren't buying into it. They don't, they're not taking him seriously. Uh, he's still slipping Jimmy. He's slipping Jimmy, man. He's still slipping Jimmy, but he's got something that says he's a lawyer. Um, and, and then his, his, or his, and then his brother follows it promptly with, you're not a lawyer, you know? And, yeah. And, oh, man, just uh, what did you think of that whole betrayal? I think that his brother knows what he is capable of. And, uh, of course, we, we also know, if you've watched Breaking Bad, you know that, that Saul is, is actually a very effective lawyer because he, can, he, can, he follows the law to the letter and knows all the ins and outs. He can get, he can get criminals out of jail because he, he knows how to manipulate the law. And his brother knows what he's capable of. His brother can see that he is very good at manipulating the law because he's slipping Jimmy. He finds ins and outs all the time. Um, he's a con man. And his brother is kind of playing the uh, – it's, it's like a weird paradox, right? Because his brother's the good character in the sense that he's trying to uphold the law. He's also the bad character in the sense that he won't let Jimmy pursue his dreams or or like try to – try to be the honorable person mm-hmm. because he knows what he's capable of. But maybe that's the thing that drives Jimmy towards his, his, uh, his kind of like gray area morals. Maybe that's what leads to that. I thought that we were going to see him change his name to Saul officially at the end of this episode, and we didn't. I was uh, a little bit disappointed in that sense. But at least we see that he's going off on his own, and he's, he's not following anyone else's plans anymore. Yeah, and I thought that was really good for him. Like you – I, I I loved the, his his entire arc for this first season because you saw where he came from, you saw what he was trying to do. Um, he was truly trying to play it straight as a lawyer, as a good lawyer. Um, even in the beginning episodes when he was dealing with that family who yeah. stole money, and he was really trying to do the right thing and not be bribed by them. Yep. And eventually he, he did, and then he reversed course, you know, with the help of Mike. Yeah, he made it. Yeah, it made it look like he never had the money to begin with, which was really good on his part. Um, mm-hmm. But it added to you really liking Jimmy that much more. Uh, and, and and it really helps you understand who he is bec- before he comes Saul, uh, which yeah. I thought was really, really good. Um, what did you think of him through the first – how many episodes did we have? Ten episodes? Close uh, to uh, What did you think of him trying to play it straight before he cracked? Um, I think that deep down he is a good guy, but he knows that the thing that he is good at is manipulating people. Mm-hmm. And he wants to he wants a he wants to find a job where he can manipulate people and still be seen as a good person in everyone's eyes. But it's very hard to do when the only people whose 
whose uh, who's respect you care about don't want you to work at the place that you can redeem yourself at, which is what makes that betrayal by his brother so much stronger. Vince Gilligan is very good about making uh, an underdog, a uh, like a, a morally ambiguous underdog. Mm-hmm. Where you, you, you root for him, but you shouldn't necessarily. No, no, that's a very good point. Um, and that's exactly what Jimmy is in this first season. Um, now, jumping to the season finale, um, I felt so bad for Jimmy because, you know, here here he he, he dealt with the fallout of, of not, you know, getting the, the job at the law firm he had hoped to get by bringing that huge case in. Yeah. Um, and instead, got a check. Uh, got a check for it. Went to his whole. What, I, I, I'm assuming he's from Chicago. That's where he. Uh, that's where he grew. Up. It looked like it. it that's where like it looked like. Um, yeah. And I don't know if if it was just he was he was at his wit's end. Like he was just fed up with everything. But he goes back to his buddy at the bar, and he goes back to being slipping Jimmy. Yeah. And and it was Still such. Got, yeah, he totally got it. That the elaborate plan to have somebody buy this this uh jfk was it was it, what was it a, a dollar a silver dollar uh, it was a silver it was a 50 cent piece but jfk's head was facing the wrong direction yeah and he totally got the guy to buy it for what was it a hundred something dollars i uh, i think it was a couple hundred actually couple, he, couple he hundred, bumped, yeah he bumped the price up at the very end very 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 good plan by those two and it just worked to perfection and before you knew it they had money in there buying shots for everybody, so that so then was you, uh, that was very I, cool. I, I like that scene. I like that scene because it it shows it shows that he could be very lucrative doing this con man stuff. He's v- extremely good at it. He was he's he, he he seemed like a fish in water because here he was being cool with the women in the morning. Who who what actor did he tell? <laughs> did he, he tell? Told, he told him he was Kevin Costner, and the girl was like, <laughs> "This guy's not Kevin Costner." <laughs> After the fact that she slept with him, so that goes to show you how good Jimmy is. I really feel I I feel like that was just a Bob Odenkirk like Im- improv. I feel like he in the actual script writing room, he was just like oh, or like on set that day, he was just like oh, I'll just tell him I'm Kevin Costner. Oh man, that was that was really funny. That was hilarious. Oh, uh, that was um, great. But yeah, you see how how suave and and fucking cool he was in that situation. He he could do that. But he doesn't. He that's not what he wants to do because he wants to be, he wants to be, well known for something. Mm-hmm. You you can tell he he wants he wants self respect. He wants people to know what he's capable of. But he also wants to be clean in the eyes of the law. Mm-hmm. No, you you're very right. And he tried that, and that's the thing. Like he tried it, but he was pushed so far that I like at the end how he you know he's talking to Mike and you know. He's asking him, why did I, why did I, why did I not take the money? Why did I, why did I do this? Why did I do this or that, whatever? And Mike says, well, I'm not, you just want to do the right thing. And and Jimmy says, you know, I'm never going to make that mistake again. And right there, you see uh, slowly the unraveling of Jimmy. And now we're going to, obviously in season two, we're going to get more into Saul him yeah. becoming Saul Goodman. Uh, and so that's going to be really interesting to watch because they've done a really they did such a great job of introducing his character. I mean, we already knew who Saul Goodman was. Mm-hmm. We didn't know who Saul Goodman was pre-Saul Goodman. And so um now we get to know now we've gotten to know Jimmy, his 
backstory, where he came from, the crap he had to deal with, and and we're getting to watch, uh, like I said, his transformation into Saul. Um, yeah. I I I I can definitely see Bob Odenkirk getting nominated, like for an Emmy for this. Absolutely. And if 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 you want to look at any point in the show in this ser- first season, it's got to be his breakdown at the bingo game when at, with the literal mic drop. Yeah, literal mic drop, and he's he's just like he's had it. And the crappy thing is when he's getting the balls for the the bingo balls, each one is a B. Yeah, and it goes from him joking around about it to him it reminding him of his brother, and it's just like one B after the other. And he's just like, "What the hell? Like, is this is this a sign? Is this? I mean, what what is going on? What did you think of that?" I, you can definitely see the the seams coming apart. You can see the 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 cart going off the rails because yeah. he's he he keeps being reminded of this of this thing and this person's respect he's worked so hard for. And I think there you you start to see the disconnect. I mean, you see it a lot more at the end where he says like, "Man, why did I give the money back? I'll never make that mistake again." It's because he knows what he's good at. He's trying to get away from it. But that's only because he, he he's cared about his brother's opinion or he wants to he wants to show people what he's capable of. Now he knows what he's capable of and, and he doesn't care about – I think that last kind of phrase that he says where he like stops and walks away from the, from the law firm, we kind of see mm-hmm. him not caring. We see a disconnect between those two worlds that, that he can bring the con man into the lawyer and do it for himself rather than for anyone else. And I think now he's gonna he's probably gonna try to take on that big multi million dollar case by himself somehow. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but I think he's gonna try to get it back. I think here are my predictions. I think he's gonna try to get it back. I think somehow he's gonna he's gonna win the case by himself, and that's the money that he uses to fund or something like that. And that's the money that he uses to fund his own better call Saul startup. That's just what I think at this point. My opinions are definitely subject to change. Though. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think we're all at this point waiting to see when he does become Saul and he stops being Jimmy. I um, have I have a lot of questions for season two. I have just so many questions. <laughs> we got to get Vince Gilligan on the show and, and uh, quiz him <laughs> about about all your questions. Um, did you have uh, – we'll, we'll end the, the, the Better Call Saul talk on this. And that's, what was your favorite part of this first season? What was my favorite part of this first season? That's tough. You know, I, I, the, the part that really stands out to me at this point is, is the very beginning. It's the first scene of the first episode where he is working at the Cinnabon. Because we see how broken and, and unhappy and, and alone that he is because of all this stuff that he's done. And then we go back and we see like the, the vitality of his younger self and, and how like hungry he used to be for power and how capable he was. And now he's forced to just kind of live in shambles in this world without color, apparently. In 2015, there's no, <laughs> there's no color. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah, and just watching old VHS tapes of himself. Oh, that's right. Uh, which we never we never directly see actually, which I think is is a cool stylistic choice. Is that they never they never really show whenever they refer to Better Call Saul or those commercials or in the intro sequences or in those old VHS tape showings, you never see him on TV. Yeah, they right. always they always keep the frame on his on his face and his reaction. Anyway, so I'm. I'm uh, surprised that they didn't go back to that at the end of season one, but I'm hoping that they either start season two with with more of present day Saul or uh, 
or uh, something along those lines. Nice, nice. Can um, I just read? Can I just read you the list of questions that I have? Okay. Like, I just have. I I just have. I will. Is Tuco gonna come back? Because I saw Tuco and it fucking scared the shit out of me. So is Tuco <laughs> gonna come back? Uh, uh, that's a good question. Not, not if, but when will Saul become that one criminal dude's lawyer? Because you know it's gonna happen. He's gonna start. Oh. He's gonna start being the lawyer for the cartel. That's how he gets into the mm-hmm. criminal practice. But just when? When is that gonna happen? Um, I thought it was also interesting. Uh, better or uh, Breaking Bad is uh, about a father son dynamic between Jesse and Walter, whereas Better Call Saul is a brother brother dynamic. Mm. Uh, are they gonna fle- are they gonna flesh that out anymore? Um, we don't know. Uh, Let's see. Uh, how is he going to get the confidence that he has in Breaking Bad? How does he become the Saul that we all know and love? Uh, is he going to sleep with the lady lawyer? Uh, <laughs> uh, and will he will he get revenge on his brother, or will there be catharsis with his brother, or <laughs> will he kill his brother? More importantly, I mean, I we don't we don't know. We don't that's, know. That's what that's I'm trying true. to say. Will he become a stripper? We don't know. We don't. We cannot confirm or deny that. Well, I, I think what's interesting too is you got to remember. <clears throat> I always like to look at when the show's done like this. I like to look in terms of where it came from. So with Saul, you know where he was in in Breaking Bad. So all the characters that we know now that we've learned that we've got to know are never referenced to Breaking Bad. So it makes me wonder: Are they expendable? Are they people Ooh. that could that could that could possibly like meet their end somehow during this course of learning from Jimmy to Saul? Um, right. So uh, that's we, that's we what I'm wondering. See, yeah. Well, we never see him with any of these people no. in Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. So maybe that maybe that that loneliness that we see in the black and white scenes maybe that's a a theming thing where he he he's adjusted to to being one person fucking up and then restarting as someone else. <laughs> Very true. It could be. Um, yeah, that's good. Some good questions. I, I hope we get answers very soon, and we're definitely going to talk more about that. Um, I just wanted to end it on my favorite part of, of Better Call Saul is was Mike's storyline. I really yeah. liked learning about Mike's backstory, um, where he came from, uh, how things kind of pointed his way uh, from Philadelphia to. Um, to New Mexico, so um, and we always we always knew that Mike was a badass, but now we can actually see. We yeah, see. Uh, so good, um, especially when they were in the carport waiting for the guy to come pick them up, and the guy's like, "Why did you bring a gun?" And Mike's like, "I didn't think I need one." And he quickly shows them why he did not need one. I mean, he takes out one guy. He scares the guy that's very much bigger than he is to the point where he runs away, and mm-hmm. he pockets uh, what was it, fifteen grand. Uh, yeah. Something. Yeah. So, uh, um, what, what about the, do you think we'll see a return of the, of the really, really white guy who's, uh, getting into back alley crime who chases down the $20 in the wind? When, you know, when, when that guy came out of his car, um, I knew it wasn't him, but if I, for some reason I immediately thought of Walter White, um, <laughs> yeah, because Actually. just the clothes, the clothes he wore, the way he acted, it was just very like when he meets Jesse for the first time in Breaking Bad, he doesn't know anything. He knows how to make the math, but he doesn't know how to go about selling it, mm-hmm. um, how to distribute it. And so that's a, I, I saw more of, of, of Walter White in this guy. Um, 
in that sense because Walter White obviously had a lot more together. This guy's clearly uh, just ignorant to the whole drug dealing situation, yeah. and it just showed that that during that whole deal. So, uh, so maybe this- we'll see him. I see that situation going one of two ways. Uh, one, they're either going to use it as a parallel for Walter White, and that guy is going to get – if he comes back as a return character, he's going to get progressively deeper and deeper into mm. crime. Or, uh, or two, they, he doesn't get deeper into crime. He remains extremely white and nerdy, and, uh, and it becomes a platform for Mike underestimating Walter. Like, oh, I've dealt with this kind of person before. I don't need to worry about this guy. And then – vastly underestimating him that's very true that's a good point i didn't think about that oh but yeah this first season of better call saul was very very good odenkirk was great um everything they've done has just been fantastic it's been a great spin i do i do have one one pro one not necessarily a problem but one thing that i've noticed and that is that the the cinematography in Better Call Saul, uh, aside from the intro sequences with his theme song, uh, have not been as impressive as they were in in Breaking Bad. And maybe that's a stylistic thing. Maybe he's he's going a different direction that I haven't picked up on quite yet. But I feel like the the colors and the framing are, aren't as flushed out. Maybe it's a different style. I'm not sure. But I was really captivated by by the art in the shots in in Breaking Bad, and I don't quite have that yet. And Better Call Saul. The shots are fantastic, don't get me wrong, but they just don't have that that color quality to them, I guess. That's a good that's point. My, that's Maybe. my one thing. That's my one thing. It could be something where this is where they build on on something like this for season two. You know? Like right. it's just kind of just to introduce everything and then they can get into more stylistic approaches. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well so. it's it's already been renewed for uh for a season two and a season three, I believe. So uh All right. So, so we'll we'll have it around for a lot longer. That's gonna be that's gonna be awesome. So, all right. So um, now we did the the Better Call Saul talk, which we really really liked. Um, go watch it. It's cool. Yeah, it's cool definitely experience. go watch it. So now we're going to get into the show that, as of this recording, premiered at midnight on Netflix, and that was Daredevil. Um, and and yeah. you know. We actually did. Uh, we did record our. Me and Casey recorded our reactions as we watched the show for the first time. Yes, um, which was a lot of fun. We um, we did it hashtag live. Actually, we did, and I I want to credit Lauren for the idea. Um, if if she hadn't been up till five in the morning watching the four <laughs> episodes, she would have been with joined us. you. <laughs> but that's okay. But um, uh. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. We're going to post that. So check it out if you want to watch it and then listen to us, uh, MST3K style. Um, nice. That is certainly going to be there. So uh, so let's get – now that we've all watched Solid it. <laughs> thanks. Now that we've watched it and we um, we know what it is now. We know we've met Matt Murdock. Uh, we've met this world of Daredevil that is still within the MCU. Um what did you think of it, uh, Lauren? What are your initial reactions to uh, your viewing of the pilot? Okay, so I will react only to the pilot because I have seen through episode four, and the <laughs> tone for me it, it changed a bit. Okay. So I'll share my reactions just to the first episode. Okay. I really like it. I think it's um, very noir and kind of gumshoe and kind of dark and. I think the casting of Charlie Cox is so perfect. And I don't know if any if everyone is going to agree with me cuz I know that 
like when you have a character in your head that you've read about in comics for such a long time, you kind of create your own version of him or her. Um, and so everyone might have had a different opinion about Charlie, but I think he's absolutely perfect for this role. Um, yeah, he seems yeah, to be, I really liked seems it. Seems to be doing a great job. No, he he is, and watching him, like I I joked with Casey uh, in that first scene where he's talking to the priest and it's getting pretty deep and he's you know i i told casey it's i was like this is already better than the movie with ben <laughs> affleck uh, <laughs> just in these five minutes because you open up with seeing him how he loses his sight and then mm. you know he's talking to the priest and and it was that was definitely dialogue heavy of course but just the way he was delivering the lines um and the serious the t- serious tone of, of just that little bit to start, I thought was just so good. Um, Casey, what did you think of the introduction of the, um, is it Linda Page? Is that her name? Uh, Yes. Karen Page, thank you. No. Um, (laughs) Karen Page, what did you think of her introduction into the show and and how she's going to play a part in the entire series? I thought it was very, it went very fast. We didn't see them really work on any other cases or anything else that they've been doing. They just kind of jumped. Right, they jump right into it. They're her lawyer now, and she's going through all this stuff. I think that she'll and and Lauren, no, Lauren, no spoilers, but I think she's going to stick around for a while, and uh, they're really gonna, they're going to delve into to her story quite a bit. She'll probably stick around until the end, uh, if I'm getting the right right vibe from this, and uh, maybe the whole season will follow one story. I was talking to Pete earlier uh, when we were doing the doing the wa- the let's watch or whatever we're going to call it. Uh, and uh, it doesn't seem like the show is going to be episodic, like uh, like every episode deals with a with a different crisis. I feel like it's all going to have one arc towards the end, more like a more like a movie than a TV show. Just not spoiling anything, but it kind of does both. Does both? Okay. Yeah, like there is there is always going to be like a certain storyline that will play out throughout the episode and then kind of wrap up, just to give you like a sense of of closure a little bit, but. I mean, it's almost like this first episode is like a microscope and you're zoomed way in on Matt and Foggy and Karen. Hmm. And then every episode, it zooms out further and further and further. And it shows you more of what's going on in the city. And then it pulls out further. Like, you're getting a really good look at Hell's Kitchen post Battle of New York. Wow. That's very cool. Which is a really cool way to tell a story. Yeah, and um, did you by any chance uh, catch any Easter eggs? I didn't see anything, but maybe. Did oh you my catch god, anything? there's so many. <laughs> I, I I saw the I saw the Creole one, and I told Casey about that. Yeah, he um, called it. He, he pointed it out. What What other Easter eggs did you find in this first episode? Um. Oh, just the pilot. I'm trying to think. <laughs> well, definitely. What scene is it? They are touring the office with the realtor. Okay. I think that's the first mention of the Battle of New York. Oh, that's right. Okay, okay. Which is, you know, it is the battle describing the end of Avengers 1. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's kind of weird, like, how they named it. I don't know how they decided to name that, but they mention it in the first episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., when the Mike Peterson character is like buying mm. toys for his son 
Yeah. He says there's like an like an ad display that says like by the heroes from the Battle of New York. Okay, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. So I think the realtor mentions it like the prices in Hell's Kitchen are so low right now because the Chichowry pretty much blew up all of Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> oh no, Chef Ramsay's going to be pissed. Right? <laughs> um, and so you, you kind of get a sense in that first episode that Hell's Kitchen is in the process of rebuilding after, you know, the Avengers and the Chitauri kind of kind of tore it up. So that's like kind of an Easter egg that grows to be a really big theme of the show. Um, Carl Creel, for anybody who is listening and doesn't know who that is, he's the absorbing man from an earlier episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season, season two. He's the guy, like, he can touch anything and turn into it. Yeah, I remember that guy. Um, I wanted to talk about, real quickly, the fighting and how well it was choreographed and how well it was done. I mean, it was executed so good. I, um, what's his, well, I'm sorry, what's the uh, main character's name again? Not um, his name in real life. Cox. Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox. Um, Cox. um he he's so good and you know i'm sure that they use body doubles and you know stunt doubles and things like that but i'm sure he did a lot of work and it just looks so so fluid and so well done uh and one thing we were when we were watching casey had mentioned um you know the fact that it wasn't like shaky cam you know it wasn't the born identity thing where it's moving so quickly and then the camera is moving with it um they did a really well job of framing the the fight scene, and you didn't it didn't lose you. You know, if anything kept you, uh, it kept you within. It's almost like you were there watching it, and as it as it was happening, you know, at that scene, and it was just so well done. Especially the fight scene at the very end. Um, Case, what did you think of that? Um, I I thought it was interesting. So we 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 see him fighting in the rain, right? Which is which is kind of a it's a it's a reoccurring thing in the in the daredevil universe i would assume because it was in it's in the bat flack movie and it uh <laughs> it is in this one too so we we haven't quite we see him fight at night and in the rain and he's still got his ass kicked in the rain <laughs> so, um, i don't know if they do that sonar thing that they that they had in the movie but uh but yeah it was really well choreographed uh they didn't go crazy like there was no wall backflips he does he does one cartwheel which i thought was cool but for the most part they keep it to just a guy who's good at who's good at fighting who trains in the gym uh and is also blind it really yeah. it seems it seems believable seems believable well choreographed and like you said i could i could see it because it it wasn't like uh like a magnum t- a magnitude 10 earthquake happening during the fight scene <laughs> I, um, I, mentioned, uh, I mentioned Superman. Superman was a this most recent Superman was a movie that used way too much shaky cam, and I couldn't see what was going on like the entire time. <laughs> um, um, all right, all right. So, uh, Lauren, what did you think of the uh, the fight scenes and 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 how bloody they got? The the choreo is incredible, and if you guys like the fight scene at the end of episode one, you are you're in for a treat in episode two. They do this like crazy extended take, like no edits fight Whoa. scene, which Whoa. is all right, crazy. I, um, I really like the fighting. I 
Like I can, I don't, it doesn't bother me like violence wise to watch like somebody just get like punched a lot because there isn't too much <laughs> to that. Punched. He gets punched a lot. <laughs> you know, I, I will say like for anybody listening, cause everybody can handle like a different amount of violence. Like for some people, they can watch anything and it doesn't affect them. And other people are really sensitive to that. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sensitive to that. Um, I like that when he's just fighting guys, you don't hear like bones breaking or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like Casey, you're saying like, he's a fighter. He has skills. He's going to fight like a normal person. I will say that as the show progresses, the violence meter goes way up. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. There, there are certain things that I wish I did not witness, like <laughs> that I could erase from my brain. And they're not <laughs> scenes with Charlie; they're scenes with other bad guys. Oh yeah, it seems like the uh, they... the bad guys are, are kind of prone to hanging, hanging people, getting a little stab happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they do things I have never seen on film before that are really crazy. So oh, just yeah. FYI, if anybody's going to watch episode three, the first three minutes and the last three minutes, if you do not like blood, do not watch those scenes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm just saying. What would you... Um, okay, so... I, I've always seen Game of Thrones as a pretty good benchmark as violence and gore on television. How would you rate the violence and gore of, of Daredevil compared to, to Game of Thrones? It has moments where it's on par. Wow. There was there was one death at the end of episode three um, that is almost a carbon copy of something that happened in Game of Thrones last season. In terms oh, of, man. oh my god, I did not need to see that image in my brain. I needed a uh, racer. <laughs> uh, a, a, a particular episode is coming to mind. There's a right child now, king. So. Does a child king die by any chance? <laughs> no, it's not like Joffrey chokes on poison. Like, oh, okay. no, it's like oh, there's a, a there's a disgusting sex scene between. <laughs> Between family members? No, so far there's been no sex or nudity or language. Like, there hasn't been any of that, which I appreciate. I don't think you need any of that to tell a good story. But there are moments, like, when Charlie, when Murdoch is fighting people, it's, like, on par with, like, like an arrow or, like, a matrix. Hmm. Okay. But when the bad guys are fighting each other, it's on par with Game of Thrones. Wow. Okay. Nice. Wow. If that makes I, sense. No, it totally makes sense. And it gets You'll know more... when. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, that's what she was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, I'm, now I really want to sit down and just binge the whole series. There's uh, going to be a dragon. There's just going <laughs> to straight up be a dragon. We'll be like, oh, that's what Lauren was talking about. <laughs> yeah, spoiler um, alert. There's a really big dragon in Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Underground. It's Ramsey. Ramsey is the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, just want to end the Daredevil talk on this and that is uh, Lauren now this is you know it's on Netflix this isn't on ABC uh, but it's a Marvel movie still um, did you see this as a completely different tone than anything that had come before it uh, you know the in my opinion the most gritty thing they did so far was probably close to it is uh, Winter Soldier um, that, that was the only movie that got kind of dark would you say any? Would you say that Daredevil is the most dark thing that that Marvel's produced? Absolutely, yeah. And here's my other, here's my follow up question to that: 
do you think it's a little too dark in the sense that it would be hard to see something so light uh, like a- like Agents of Shield, um, uh, even Avengers? Would it be hard to see those things um, cross over uh, without seeing seeing seeming like? Uh, whatever happens, because you're in the wor- dark, gritty world of Daredevil, would come out of left field for uh, anyone coming over from a different a movie or TV show? That's a really good question. I would say no, because like Daredevil also has light moments. Like It's not a show that takes place completely at night. It's not one of those. Like There are daytime scenes. You know, Matt Murdock sees the light of day. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think if the show... T- was entirely at night and only dealt with kind of like seedy underworld, you know, and if the show spent most of its time in like brothels and things like that, I think maybe there would be a difficulty. But for the most part, I mean, it is kind of a lawyer procedural show and then he fights crime at night. So I think, I think it could cross over. And honestly, I think it's a really intelligent move on Marvel's part because there are people who prefer like rated R style type content, you know, Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. then there are people with children, like uh, like Kid Coulson, who dresses up like Coulson all the time. He's like nine, you know, yeah. and he loves wow. the Avengers. And so, like, for him, he can watch shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and not have to, like, close his eyes, you know? Like, yeah. he can get a lot out of that. And then people who like darker content can get a lot out of this. And I think it, I think it's brilliant that there's, like, something for everybody in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if they cross over, I, I don't think it would be... A problem. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Case, did you want to add anything? I, yeah, I, I feel like a crossover would be tough, just because, like, like Lauren said, those there is something for everyone in the Marvel universe, and I feel like Daredevil is really trying to establish itself as as the gritty, uh, back alley, gory thing that the other shows are not, uh, and so a, a crossover would be would be pretty tough. I'm kind of making it full circle again. I don't know where that S.H.I.E.L.D. spinoff is going to fit in in the universe because I feel like there is already one kind of show for everyone in this Marvel universe. So, uh, so we will we'll see. And maybe Daredevil makes an appearance in this, in this new spinoff. I, I don't know. I cannot, cannot say. Maybe he becomes a stripper. We don't know. We can't <laughs> confirm or deny. <laughs> um, why? <laughs> nice. Um, so the, uh, that, that's the one thing, too. Now with... You know, with what CW Warner Brothers is doing with all their crossovers, um, I, I think it would be interesting to see some sort of Dare, Daredevil um, agents Avengers crossover. You know, so one, one of those characters. Um, you know, you already had you know you, you already have um, Lady Sif coming over on Agents of Shield. Um, you know, it'd be kind of cool to see maybe um, Matt Murdock. You know, maybe make an appearance uh, on Shield or maybe. Sky comes to Hell's Kitchen or or something like that. You know, I think that'd be I think that'd be really cool. <laughs> it, it would be more like Sky's dad coming to Hell's Kitchen. Oh, like, you know what? Beating up a bunch of guys. <laughs> that would totally fit too. Like his character is so dark that I think it would totally work. Um, but yeah, it, it came out last night. You can binge if you've binged. That's awesome. Um, but we'll be we'll the way we're gonna handle Daredevil, like we is the way we handle all the other shows. Um, when we talk about it, it's gonna be episode by episode, so we won't be covering the whole season, but we'll be breaking down uh, every one that we watch. So stay tuned because uh, you know, like um, like we said, we're gonna be adding on to so much <clears throat> so much more with 
<clears throat> excuse me, uh, Game of Thrones and and uh, Arrow flashback, Silicon Valley, and Silicon and Valley, and uh, so many, so many shows. Everything's oh, coming back once. It's gonna be crazy. We love it. And uh, and if you like our our live uh, impression show that we're gonna <laughs> probably put up as well, uh, give us some feedback. If it if it gets good reviews, then uh, we'll probably keep doing it. Yeah, it was the, a lot of fun. The, the cool thing about doing a commentary track is that people can like watch the show with you. Yeah, we even like, do. Shout out. We we even do the press play in five. Okay, four. good. Yeah. I'm so going to watch it when I listen to your commentary track. It's going to be so oh, great. Oh, boy. That's, yeah, we, we can't wait the, to hear what you say. <laughs> there's one other thing I want to say about Daredevil, too, is that like it's so easy to compare shows to other shows. And I like I saw people live tweeting last night. Somebody said something like, like this is why Arrow will never be as good as it could be. Like this is what Arrow really should be. And I think it's really dangerous to compare shows like that because mm -hmm. yeah. like Daredevil is an MA rated show, like mature <laughs> audiences on Netflix. So like Arrow is never going to look like that. It's not supposed to look like that. So no. I, I think for anybody who's about to jump into Daredevil, just be really careful not to like get mad <laughs> at the other superhero shows on television <clears throat> for not being that dark or that risky. Like because it's network. Like <laughs> you j those shows will never be like that. And like that's okay. Um I just I hope it I hope everybody is still able to appreciate like what we're, we're getting on network. Because, like, they're doing the best they can to present compelling content. And then just to, like, say, oh, well, all the network superhero shows suck and, like, Daredevil is what it should be like. I, I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's a fair fight to yeah. say. So I just want to put that out there. Yeah. yeah different audience. Yeah. A different I mean, budget. Different everything. You, well, you can't. Oh, good. Well, I was just going to. And it's a, it's a Netflix series. So, I mean, yeah. the things that they're competing with is like Arrested Development, also Netflix series. House of Cards, also Netflix series. Orange is the New Black, also Netflix series. All, all pretty, pretty <clears throat> dark and adult content. So, they're trying to keep up with that audience. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, like, it's exactly like Casey said. I mean, the, the thing about Netflix is you're given so much free reign. I mean, it's like an HBO or a Showtime. You, there are no limitations. Like, you can cuss, you can. You can show as much violence as you want. Whereas with a network show, you can't do that. You can't, you know, it's like Lauren said, this is a network show. So it's never going to be what people think it could be. Uh, but that doesn't mean you take away from what it is. Uh, and exactly. so, yeah. That's and, my and, point. Yeah. And, and so it's like Lauren said, just go in appreciating what Daredevil is and don't compare other shows to it. There's no reason to. Um, enjoy the fact that it's there. Um, because, I mean, I was only it was only like what a, a few years ago that Marvel just acquired Daredevil back from Fox. So um, had that not happened, we might not even be here. So um, all right, so that's TV talk for uh, for this week. Um, we are going to get into uh, classic movie picks. Uh, Lauren, why don't Yay. you kick us off? <laughs> <laughs> um, to switch over from something really dark to something really light. <laughs> and I mean really light. Oh I recently discovered that Felicity is on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> what? What is she playing? Um, the show Felicity. J.J. Abrams' first show. Uh, <laughs> Casey totally like, thought that was Arrow. <laughs> I, thought... I know. That'd be great. Oh, um, 
I was talking to a writer friend of mine the other day and he mentioned Felicity. Like he was giving me an example of like a character decision. And I remember when Felicity was on back, when was it? Like late 90s? Yeah, it was definitely. I I watched a few episodes, but I didn't like watch the whole thing. And so I'm going to go back and rewatch them. And it's just like a really good, lighthearted kind of coming of age college show. But it's great because... Like I watched episode two last night and John Cho is like in her dorm. Whoa. (laughs) So like, it's cool to see where like a lot of our actors came from in these early 90s shows. So that's my pick. Felicity on Hulu. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Casey. So my, uh, my pick is, uh, is an instant classic. Uh, it's got a little bit of a cult following, although it is considered a B-list movie. It's uh, The Big Lebowski. Uh, okay. It follows the uh, – the ta- I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. I would assume oh, yes. not because you're yes. not cheering and screaming. Oh, all right. Well, Pete, Pete you've seen it. Um, but uh, yeah, it follows the, the adventures of a kind of down on his luck, uh, not really too smart guy, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, he is the dude. He, he's he the, the dude. dude. and. And uh, the dude abides, and that uh, through a series of unfortunate events uh, that he cannot control in any way <laughs> also adds to the humor. Uh, he gets tossed into a crazy ass adventure, and yeah. uh, it's kind of interesting to see how a uh, how kind of a pothead works his way out of that <laughs> and he becomes just, a legend in his own right. He just he just wanted his rug, man. He just wants his damn rug just back. Wants like his that, rug that, back. That's all he, he wants wanted. to drink. Drink some white <laughs> Russians and just not have people piss on his rug. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that's... right. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good one. Good pick, Case. That's good. Do you know if that if that if that was on Netflix? That is definitely on Netflix. on Netflix. All right, check that out. Um, I'm gonna uh, kind of go guilty pleasure here, and I had mentioned this earlier to Casey when we were watching Daredevil. Legally Blonde. No, no, no. That actually is a guilty pleasure of mine. I Legally will, Blonde I, too. I've actually never seen the second Legally one. Legally Blonder. <laughs> More Legally Blonde. Oh, my gosh. I'm surprised those movies have not been made yet, Lauren. Too Legally are... Too Blonde. Yeah, Too Legally Too Blonde forever. <laughs> Tokyo Drift. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Legally Blonder. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um okay. So getting away from one of my guilty guilty pleasures to another. Um the movie Daredevil, the Ben Affleck movie. Uh, yeah, uh and I probably might get ripped for that one, but you know what? Sometimes it's on TV. I will take a take a look and and kind of watch a little bit of it. I will I will sit through some of it because some of it is kind of enjoyable. For the most part, people hated it. Um, there are there is a lot to not like about it, um, but like I said, it's a guilty pleasure. And sometimes it's on. I will sit and check it out, and, and it kind of gives you a little idea of what they're trying to do on on ne- actually probably what they are going to do much better at with the Netflix series. Um, but it's kind of like cool to go back and see where they try to kickstart comic book movies um, because this is way before, uh, before the craze. Yeah, this is way before. I want to say this is post X Men though. So, um, so it, it's it's kind of like when they were kind of filling out how comic book movies were going to do with the general audiences. Um, but uh, it's it's always a nice little thing to go back and and look on. So, all right. So that is going to do uh, do it for our show today. Um, hope you enjoyed it, um, Lauren. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? 
Um, you guys can find me on Twitter, Lauren underscore Galloway. And I was also on Assembly of Geeks last week. We did a really fun preview for Star Wars Celebrations, which is next week in Anaheim. So if any of you guys are going or if you love Star Wars news, make sure you check out our Assembly of Geeks page. Scott, our host, is actually going to be at Celebrations in Anaheim, and he's going to be live tweeting and Instagramming and posting videos and content and stuff. So if you guys aren't following Assembly of Geeks, we're on Twitter at Geeks Assemble. Awesome. Thank you for that, Lauren. And thank you again for being on. You know, you're welcome here pretty much like every week. So, yep. um, <laughs> uh, all right, Casey, where can everyone find you? Oh, they can find me just, just roaming around on the internet. Uh, I'm in the back. I'm in the back of all the forums on Twitter at, at via blast, uh, voted Twitter's most underrated, uh, account by, <laughs> by myself. And, uh, they can also follow me on Instagram at Facey Cranko. Which is uh, some man's name that I met in the parking lot, and I was like, "Oh, it's a good name. I'll use that as my Instagram <laughs> handle." And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. All right, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, all right, so he's not here, but uh, Mr. Matt, you can find him at I'm Salzy on. Twitter. I am S A L Z. No, wait. Uh, I <laughs> I am. Uh, man, those spelling classes have not have they just not been paying off for me? No, no. We got to get a refund for that. Um, yeah, I, need, I need a dictionary, is what I need. <laughs> okay, you can find me at Pacing Pete on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Cena Nerd. You can email us, uh, Cena Nerd at gmail.com. Check us out on iTunes uh, and give us a review. Give us a shout yeah. out. Uh, right let it. us know what right you it. like, yeah. don't like. We will definitely uh, respond back and um, work on whatever feedback you give us. So um, until next week. Um, Keep watching TV because it's only going to get better. Oh, I get it. Like, seen and heard. Oh, like, okay. Oh, is that what that stands for? Yeah. Yes. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what does Matt always say? Facebook. I had a weird cadence today. Did you notice that? I said all of my stuff. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you do that all the time, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> Maybe it's just hit me now. Casey, do you ever watch Homestar Runner? Uh, no, I don't, but I've been told to before. Should Remind I? Remind me a little bit of characters on Homestar Runner. I'm going to write that down, then. <laughs>